0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See
1: terms and conditions 18 plus. You are listening to Creepy Unsolved with Dylan and Sabrina. Hey, welcome back, Steve. It's been a minute. How you been, man?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for for having me back.
1: Yeah. You know, I saw on your channel that you had a big face reveal. That's awesome. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
2: (laughs) Not just something I decided to do, just decided to go for it because I had a lot of speculation as to what I looked like. And, and for a while, you know, that was part of the fun. And uh, I revel in the anonymity, but figured it was time. So uh had a soft reveal on uh, Clyde Lewis's uh, Channel Weird and then decided just to start doing it on the regular streams. And uh, I've I've gotten comfortable with it now. I just get to the point where you don't care anymore, you know? So I'm, I'm out there, here I am. And I've had so many people say, you look exactly what you sound like. So I guess that's a good thing, maybe. Yeah, I, I-
0: Like a Bob Ross vibe, you know? <laughs> like it's very yeah, soothing, very just like calm. Yeah,
2: somebody called me that, The Bob Ross of the paranormal. I'm like, hmm, yeah! That's a- <laughs> yeah,
1: it's definitely great to see you on these live streams now. It, it makes it more personal, I think. Yeah. It's a great touch.
2: And uh, I need some serious grooming, but I'm in the process of, of getting everything together, growing everything out. I can't tell. it's kind of in the dark here. But my hair is so long. It's like down on my shoulders. It's probably the second longest my hair has ever been. I haven't had a haircut in oh, well played. over a year, probably close to two now.
1: Yeah, mine's getting about six months now. I'm like. Middle parting it. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I got the middle part on. I'm wearing flat brims and doing CrossFit now. I I don't know what's happening. Yeah, that, that's
2: that's the reason for the hat. even when <laughs> I wash it, it's just all over the place. It's hanging down in my eyes. Sorry.
1: <laughs> that's. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna grill mine out and end up donating it or something. That's yeah, something that's I what I was thinking do. about
2: doing. Doing the whole locks of love thing, but I don't even know if there's any place around here that does that or not. I'm I'm out in the country. I'm not right in Portland. I'm about 25 minutes northwest of Portland in a little town called St. Helens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'm even farther away from civilization than you. Yeah. I'd, I'd, like, I'd like, like to four hours farther away from what
2: I am. But uh, it's not bad here. We go about an hour in one direction. I can be on Mount Hood in the snow and go about an hour in the other direction. I'm on the, the coast at uh, Astoria or Lincoln City or somewhere over there. Nice. Um, St. Helens, if you've ever seen the Disney Halloween Town movies, those were filmed here. Yep. Oh, nice. And, uh, every year, oh the God. month of October, it turns into Halloween Town for the whole month. And they have uh, parades and the lighting of the Great Pumpkin. And um, what else? Uh, I don't know. They have, like I said, a month's worth of stuff. Uh, Marnie from the movie. I, yep. I don't know if that's the character's name or the actress's name, but she comes every year. And it's the grand marshal I'm for coming. the Halloween parade. I'm going
0: to be there. I'm it's, it's a lot of
2: fun. Sounds and, awesome. Uh, if there's any Twilight fans listening, uh, the house that they used for the exterior of Bella's house is here in St. Helens, too.
0: That's so
1: cool. Oh, yeah. I think I saw some on Facebook about that, yeah.
2: Yeah, just, just was... the exterior. but uh, And I mentioned the story. That's where they filmed the Goonies. If, you, if you've ever seen the Goonies, that's one of my favorite no. movies. It's filmed yeah. over on the coast in the story. So there there's some cool places around here. And I didn't know about the Halloween Town thing. I just happened to move here and Halloween's a lot bigger deal here than Christmas is, that's Halloween's my birthday too. So, I'm uh, so oh wow, always so loved excited. Halloween. So this is the perfect place that's perfect, for Perfect,
1: yeah.
0: That's so sounds cool. great.
1: Yeah, we where I live, I'm tucked back in the middle of nowhere. Pennsylvania is what they call it, where Sabrina's from too. Yeah, it's
0: the Alabama part of
1: Pennsylvania. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> we got beautiful skies and dense forest and barely any jobs and <laughs> it's Bigfoot not bad standing. though. It's
0: we have big fun. I, I miss
2: being back East. I grew up in East Tennessee and I uh, have plans to move back. I'll probably end up in the mountains around Gatlinburg or uh, Townsend or somewhere up there, but houses yep. I've been looking at are isolated out in the middle of nowhere, like uh mountain lodge type things. I need a lot of space. I've got a, a recording studio here and I've got a sound studio too, that I do things with. Oh, and wow. then, uh, uh, I do more in film, stuff like that. I'm gonna need an editing suite and uh so I'm looking at like a four or five thousand square foot house.
1: Yeah, we awesome. me and my me and my wife plan on visiting Tennessee next year and make a trip out of it and go down and we wanna move about ten years from now and we're kind of searching around different states and stuff. Yeah. Wanna get out of here and explore a little bit.
2: There are places in Tennessee that you can find cheap. Land hmm. and houses and things. So, area I'm looking at is not so cheap because it's a resort area. But yeah, uh, this one house I absolutely love it. It backs up to the national park, so no neighbors yep. there. The nearest neighbor on one side is uh, an ancient cemetery, and go the other way down the road, it's uh, Tuculicia Caverns, which is like a touristy cave type thing. But that that's pretty good neighbors.
0: That's wild. Uh, it's out
2: in the woods. Uh, no homeowners association. No neighbors. No anything like that. And that suits me. Yeah, I don't like want any of that. Alone.
0: Oh, yep. I hate homeowners associations, but I like Idaho. It's been it's been nice here so far. I just got back from camping out in like the northern part of the Payette River, and dude, there is nothing out there, and it is just absolutely gorgeous.
1: Sounds perfect, man.
2: Yeah, i I've, I've never been, but I know people here that have a uh, property in Idaho. They're planning to retire there. And um, when I lived in Las Vegas, I knew a lot of people there that had planned to go to Idaho at some point. So there must be something there that people like.
0: It's hmm. awesome. And she neighbors. planned
2: a lot of space, uh, yeah. no near neighbors.
0: No neighbors.
1: Yeah, that's the thing I love about where I live. It's the only thing that sucks, you're so far away from everything. Like it's kind of inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Like you drove it. Like what? What was the nearest mall to us? Like two hours away for like some bum ass mall. Like it wasn't yeah. even anything worth <laughs> yeah. driving to. Yeah. Like, Pittsburgh's like four hours from us. Philadelphia, oh, yeah. Harrisburg, yeah. all equally as far. Uh, that can be a good
2: thing too, though. I hate going to malls and things. I haven't been to one in several years. When I lived right in Portland, I used to go to Lloyd Center all the time. They Yeah. A skating rink and stuff in there. But from what I understand, it's pretty much dead now. All their anchor stores have left and. Malls yeah, are or, a dying thing, but uh, or I models. love Netflix. That's Netflix oh, yeah. and Instacart. That's that's my jam right there. I don't have to go out at all if I don't have to. Uh, I go out once a month to pay my rent because my landlord's a little old lady, real old school. She wants cash.
1: Oh, yeah. If so oh. I
2: get her to step into the 21st century and take <clears throat> Venmo or PayPal or something, I'd never have to leave the house.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's see. it. Uh, you know, back in the Tennessee... Now, I understand that you wrote a book called National Park Mysteries and Disappearances, The Great Smoky Mountain National Park.
2: Yeah, that's my newest series. That's volume one. Came out in April and uh, got good response from it. It it went straight to number one on its release in a couple of different categories there. And uh, it still hovers around the top two or top three because that's changed hourly. So just the fact that it can stay even in the top 10, I'm happy. And, um, Had a lot of personal stuff in there, personal information places I've been because I've been all over the Smokies and uh, didn't want to just do disappearances. And that's why I put the mysteries in there too, kind of like our channel. I covered uh, some of the mountain legends, ghost stories, murders, um, Cherokee tales, things like that. So there's, it's a mixed bag, but there's something in there for everybody. Like I said, it's got a good response. Haven't had uh, any critical response on it probably uh, now will since I said that but uh, so far the reviews oh, no. are pretty good but I, I usually don't pay much attention to those I'm happy with the book and if other people like it then right on
1: yeah I got and, to read quite a bit of it I really liked it and like you were saying like it goes beyond just the missing person mysteries and stuff like that like initially when I saw the title I thought you know it's gonna be just missing person mysteries but you go into like paranormal experiences and haunted places and
2: yeah. Local all the four
1: stuff four. I love. It's <laughs> great. I really Yeah. Really like how you broke it up into different sections and stuff.
2: Yeah. And it was some of those things there's some overlap there. Some of those could have been in one section or the other and uh I had an editor who uh took care of all that. And I like the way the job she did on it, so
1: now what kind of haunted places did you write about in this book? Can you talk about um, that I'm, a little bit?
2: Yeah, sure. I tried to write about ones particularly for this book that I had visited personally and Since I grew up in that area, there was a lot of different places. I wrote about uh, Wheatlands Plantation, which to me, that's one of the most active locations I've ever visited. It's in Sevierville, Tennessee, which is like the foothills of the Smoky Mountain. It's uh, go Knoxville, Sevierville, and then into Pigeon Forge, and then Gallenberg and then you're in Mm -hmm. the park. And uh, it's an old plantation home there where they grew wheat. And uh, there's been lights seen inside when there's not supposed to be anybody there, disembodied voices. There were people killed on the grounds in the Revolutionary War and the Civil War and uh, the Indian Wars. And uh, supposedly they they killed so many uh, Indian braves there that they stacked them like cordwood out behind the plantation. So they got that kind of history. There's going to be a lot of problems there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Uh, The place where the plantation home was built, uh, the the reason they built it in where it is, they found a geode, a giant geode out in the field. geode is a like a rock with crystals in it you can cut it open and i used to yeah. go hunt for them in dry creek beds and stuff but this is a huge one you can still see it. it's in the basement right where they found it and they built the house around it so some people say that that has something to do with it with the this oh, giant geode embedded in the floor huh. yeah. and then uh, the family that lived there uh the father was a civil war hero and uh he and his son uh Didn't get along so well, and uh, the matriarch of the family actually left the property to the grandson, and not the one that was uh, her son, who was a Civil War hero, and there was some bitterness there, and they would fight often, and the son ended up killing the father. He uh, struck him with a fireplace poker, and uh, there's still a bloodstain on the floor in the parlor there. They've tried (laughs) scrubbing it up. They've tried sanding it off. I think they've done everything to pull up the boards and replace it, so... You know, blood cries out from the ground, or in this case, the parlor floor. Wow. That's wild. And uh, they were doing, what people do overnight investigations, stuff in there. I've heard some of those awesome EVPs and, and heard some uh, really scary reports. I've never spent the night in the house, but I've been in it. And that's one of those places that, even in the daytime, it's got a creepy feel to it. A lot of haunted locations, you know, you can go there in the dark, and yeah, it's going to be scary. But when you go in the daytime, it's like, eh. But this one, mm-hmm. you can feel whatever's there, it's there all the time.
0: Yeah, can you tell us more about like how it physically just kinda of fell when you were there?
2: It's it's a heaviness is the best way I know how to describe it. And that's just the way I perceive it. I mean, your minds may vary. But uh anytime I'm around anything like that where there's been a lot of death or tragedy, there's there's like a pall over the place, like uh visually, you know, in my mind it would be like a dark cloud or something. And it's that I think it's that negative energy and in, in my perception of it, uh so, I don't know if I'm empathic to a degree or what, but I can sense things like that. There was a house that I used to have to drive by. My parents had a timeshare over in Crossville, over on the Cumberland Plateau area of Tennessee. And there was a house we always had to drive by to get there. And I would just get absolute chills driving by this house. So finally, after a couple of years of going there every fall, I started asking around. And it turned out the guy that had lived there in this this weird house out on the side of the road had actually murdered some kids in the house. Oh my God. Like oh, several decades before. And I was somehow picking it up and didn't know what it was, but just knew mm-hmm. there was some bad juju attached to it. So, but uh yeah, sometimes you'll get like the the goose flesh or whatever, you know, the hairs will stand up on your arms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, just depends on <clears throat> how perceptive you are to it and how active it is and uh how much it doesn't like you being in there.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's really interesting.
2: And uh, let's see, what else did they cover up there? Uh, Greenbrier Lodge, which is, um, as the name says, a former uh, hunting lodge. And it's a restaurant now. But uh, there was a story there about Lydia, uh, who was supposed to to marry a a local boy. And she was staying in the lodge there to prepare for wedding day. And uh, she got stood up at the altar and hung herself from Mm -hmm. uh, the rafters in the stairwell there. And uh, it's still actively haunted. Things move around. They hear voices in there. Um, she came back uh, after they they buried her in an unmarked grave because she did take her own life, and uh, she kept haunting the caretaker until he finally he knew where she was buried, and he went up and put uh, just a a plain marker on her grave, and that that supposedly stopped that haunting. But um, I think part of the activity now is because they they kind of treat it as a a tourist attraction almost. They, the menu has the story on it, and they have something uh, on the menu called uh, Lydia's Chocolate Suicide for Two, which I think oh my that's God! Right. That's, <laughs> so that's
0: so insensitive. <laughs> so I, I would haunt them too if
2: they had something like that on the menu. It's, it's very yeah. insensitive, but <laughs>
1: I'd probably still buy it.
0: <laughs> oh my God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, it's it's another one of those places where, where you can you know, feel things in the Probably one of the strangest stories I heard about it. There was um, a family there dining, and the little girl kept looking up in the, the stairwell and she started laughing. And uh, her mom said, well, What are you laughing about? And she said, Well, there's a, a silly lady up at the top of the stairs uh, making faces and dancing, and she's got her braid around her neck. But it, it wasn't her braid. It was a rope. Oh, she she was yeah. seeing like a the, the replay or whatever the, the goes to the haunting there. And she thought oh. the lady was making faces and acting silly but she was
1: she was hanging
2: she was seeing the, the hanging but oh, nobody man. else saw it just this little girl so
0: oh my god but
2: I, I think that's the case a lot of times children are more perceptive to things like that and you haven't been yeah. taught not to believe in it and not to mm-hmm. to look for it i i saw my first ghost when i was um just about six years old full body apparition and uh, it didn't scare me they're just like you know huh, what was that uh, so what was
0: um, it what did you see
2: It was uh, a toddler that uh, ran across the road in an angle and down into her yard. And if you've ever noticed kids that have basically just barely mastered walking, they'll start running Mm. and don't really know what to do, and then they just fall down because they lose control. Kind of like that, ran into her yard, fell down, and I was less than 100 feet from the spot, went right to it. There's nothing there. There's no kid, no hole that a kid could have fallen in, nothing that I could have mistaken for a kid. And still have no idea what that was about because so that <clears throat> the road came down to an inverted T intersection there and the main road, the one going north mm-hmm. and south. Uh, my grandparents had had a dairy farm on that road for decades. And uh, I asked everybody in that area and there'd never been any child killed there or anything before or mm-hmm. since. And um, the only thing there was a car that had come down to the stop sign. And the kid kind of ran out from behind the car. And that's what I was thinking, you know, that that kid's going to get hit because he's so small, the driver won't be able to see him over the car. But Mm -hmm. the driver didn't acknowledge that he saw anything. He just turned right and kept going. So I'm thinking maybe it was something attached to the car because it did come from behind the car, didn't get out of the car, but it came from behind the car.
1: That's wild.
0: That's really interesting.
2: And uh, I asked my grandmother about that later. She was uh, a self-professed gypsy witch. Uh, Nowadays, she's what in Appalachia they call a granny witch or even a kitchen witch, but she called herself a gypsy witch. And um, I asked her about that because she knew about that sort of thing. She told fortunes and red tea leaves, coffee grounds, animal entrails, that sort of stuff, knew every superstition, every ghost story. Um, And she said, well, that's just whatever's out there is a way of letting you know that sometimes you'll see things that are meant just for you. And she kind of left it at that. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. Still don't really, but... um, that that was my first experience. Like I said, I was not quite six. And uh again, it, it didn't scare me, but it did kinda it was startling, but it was more of a questioning thing. What was that? Because even at six almost six years old I knew little kids don't run across the yard and disappear. Yeah. For right. And that just kinda started me on my quest for uh that what where my interest in the paranormal began and it just kinda Blossomed from there and led me on that path in life, and uh, I'm still looking for answers, and I don't think they're ever going to find any. I think the only thing you find is more questions, and that's Mm -hmm. to me, that's part of the fun. I wouldn't want all the answers. That would spoil it.
0: Yeah. Now,
1: now you said this was your first, so I'm assuming you've had multiple?
2: Oh, yeah. I've had uh, not so many full-body apparitions, uh, but I've heard heard things, seen things, experienced things. Trying to think of the, the other. Had one here in Portland that I believe was a full body apparition. I was downtown. This was years ago before all the trouble and stuff down there. And uh, as I was turning a corner on the street, person coming the opposite direction turned the corner and he was wearing like 1800 style clothing. Oh, wow. And uh, I passed him and he, he kind of gave a sidelong glance at me and I was looking at him. Went around the corner and I thought, man, what kind of get up did that guy have on? I want to go back and look at this. And I literally just spun around, stepped back around the corner, nowhere. He was gone and there was nowhere he could have gone. There was traffic in the street, that particular, uh, there was a building there that took up about two blocks and there were no doors or anything on that side, so unless he ran out into traffic and even yeah. then I, I think I would have seen him, I was, whatever, he saw me, he acknowledged me, but he gave me kind of a weird look. So I wonder if, if back in the day
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Boyd, were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Back in the 1880s, somebody in Portland saw some weird guy on the street that passed them. And it was me. Like, maybe he saw me. I don't know. You know, it's kind of a weird concept there. That, But I've heard of stories like that where... People from the past had a glimpse of the future, and then at the same time, it could have been people in the future having a glimpse of the past where the realities kind of meshed there for a little bit. I've heard it described as uh, pieces of silk in, in a stretcher, mm. like a canvas or whatever, and sometimes they kind of touch, and you can see both, and then they, they pull back apart. So that, that kind of makes sense if you believe in you know a glitch in the matrix or oh, um, some kind of shift or a rift in, in time. And that that, that would account for a lot of things, I think, that we see, and uh, some of the, especially the residual hauntings. And uh,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I read a story about a guy in England that uh, kept seeing Roman soldiers marching in his basement, Uh, but they were about knee deep into the basement floor. And uh, he finally did some research and found out that the area where his house was, had been the old Roman road through that area back centuries before and the road had actually been at a lower level so where they were walking they would have been on the road at that time and had since been built up when the houses were put there
0: wow
1: yeah back into the guy about the from the 1880s or whatever it's kind of interesting to think how much stuff we might miss just mm because we're not paying attention i wonder if stuff happens like that all the time we just don't
2: I, i think it does and don't pay attention to it because i've heard other stories like that uh had a, one there from Tennessee. Lady had taken a wrong turn. She wasn't familiar with the area. She told me the area where she was at, and I knew exactly where she was talking about. And she passed a. She said an old car, like from the fifties, and but it looked brand new. And so the people in it looked horrified, and and they were looking at her like you know all strange. And she turned around and to go. She had to turn around and go back the other way. So the next driveway she came to, she turned around, went back. Never saw never saw the car again. And that's it's a straight shot through there. There's there's homes and things there, but you know, Edsel or whatever it was, you would have seen it if it were parked in somebody's driveway.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: she thinks it was some sort of uh rift in time. And she also described some things that she saw on that road that were no longer there, but I knew that they had once existed. So I think she drove through some kind of fog or something there and and saw things at a different time. And it sounded like they saw her, too, since they were horrified by, you know, somebody driving a Toyota. Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> now, back into the book, have you had any personal experiences with some of these places you wrote about?
2: Oh, um, absolutely. Um, one there talks about uh, the um, Riverside Motor Lodge, and that's uh, it's on uh, River Road, which runs adjacent to uh, 441, which is the, the parkway, the main hmm. road to the Smokies there back in the 80s there was a, a little girl fell off the balcony into the water there and died. And um, the, the legend is that if you're there certain times of night, and I think it's even a certain time of year, that you can see her up on the balcony or you can see her down in the water. And uh, I was around there one night. This would have been not too long after it happened, maybe five years or so after it happened. And I did. Hear what sounded like a child screaming down in the water, and this was like three o'clock in the morning. That's and terrifying. I didn't didn't see anything that time, but heard it and, and felt it again. I think that's a more of a residual haunting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That would scare and, the uh, shit out of me. Yeah,
2: and one of the most frightening. there, And I've, I've talked about full body apparitions. To me, a partial apparition would be more frightening. I've never seen a very intense partial one. I I saw what looked like a hand come through a wall once when I was in the Philippines. Uh, It looked like a baby's hand, but um, there's a a place there. It used to be the uh, Rocky top motor lodge uh, on airport road in Gatlinburg. And it's not there anymore. It's torn down. They built something else there and it's not even airport road anymore. It's um, historic nature trail road now. And uh, there was a, Famous local murder there, infamous, I guess, local murder there back in the 80s. And uh, after the murder happened, they would hear people screaming and see a pair of female legs, like from the knees down, running across the parking lot around a, a water fountain that they had their yeah, water feature. So. And uh, it, it coincided with uh, the way things happened there, the way the murder transpired. They, uh, she was a night clerk, and they stashed her body in a room around on that side of the hotel. But before they murdered her, she actually managed to get away and they chased her and caught her in the parking lot. And that's the direction she would have ran. So that place always, always had an eerie feel in that back parking lot back there. But um okay. it's, uh I can't remember the, the chain that's in there now, but it's totally demolished. And uh, I think the, the pool for the new place is where the parking lot was for the old one. So maybe there's, uh, maybe the pool's haunted. Cause you wonder about that. You know, sometimes things stay with the property. And you'll see things that were there from another time or from another instance. And uh, same road up near the top of it, there used to be a Holiday Inn. There's still a Holiday Inn on that road, but it's a different one. The one at the, the top of uh, the road, airport road there next to the uh, Glenstone Lodge, it was a Holodome, Sunsbury recreation area. They had an indoor pool and they had bars and restaurants and all this. Uh, there was murders there. In the I think that was in the 70s and again kind of the same thing um the room where the murders occurred they had to basically shut it off and not rent it out anymore the maids refused to go in there because they would hear things and see things happening in there and um one of the girls was killed in the room the other escaped and got to the stairwell and the guy killed her in the stairwell and drug her back into the room so they would hear what sounded like a scuffle in the stairwell and screaming and uh just a weird weird energy in that place. That like last time I looked at that though it's a an empty lot now. So but again, that type of tragedy, that type of energy, the sudden release when somebody's murdered like that, you know, I think that's that's what tends to hang around. Not just yeah. murder, but any kind of tragedy where life is lost just in an instant like that. Unexpected.
0: I've always I've always wondered, you know. I think when I was a kid, I was more afraid to be an old house. just because I'm like, oh, you never know what could happen here. Like new buildings can't be haunted. Like apartment complexes can't be haunted. But then like now as an adult, I realize like, oh, well, like, you know, something or something tragic could have happened. Could have gotten yeah, down. Could
2: and have been, you know, Rio centuries Island. ago, something could have happened there. Yeah. Like at the Wheatlands, you know, where they had massacred all those uh, soldiers and things in the yard and i think that that leads to it and um yeah there are lots of instances of of brand new houses that have uh, hauntings and demonic activity and it's usually because of something that's gone on there previously when whatever else was there oh yeah uh, I, i believe in that i believe that uh that type of energy can be trapped in the ground it can be trapped in the trees uh anything and it's not always bad i mean i've had guitars that uh just something about a guitar that the wood that it was made of, I don't know what experience the tree had or where it was from, but certain guitars will have a certain feel to them and a certain sound. That's, that's different from one to the other. I remember I picked up a Les Paul custom back in the eighties and it just literally the notes just flew out of my fingers. And my friend's looking at me, he's like, why don't you always play like that? How did you do
1: this? I didn't know I
2: could, (laughs) (laughs) but it was beyond my budget at the time. I would have bought it because it was just, it felt magic and there was something about that guitar
1: i need yeah, to find it, one of those yeah <laughs>
2: it seems
0: like things lingering like a lot of times you know it's construction companies and like there's five links in the chain from who decided to demolish a building or structure and then who's actually <clears throat> doing the demolishing and rebuilding and stuff no one ever is gonna send a spiritual hazmat crew out to cleanse yeah. the area of its negative energy they're just like oh but you know that might not be
2: here. a bad We're idea there's a, a business for you to start to <laughs> anyway.
0: spiritual yeah,
2: has spiritual might. cleaners yeah does oh your house have gosh. attachments demons ghosts <laughs> call be us before in the next, you build
1: that cemetery
2: yeah, but, but, you though. know i do that when i travel when, if i'm staying in a hotel or something because you don't know what's happened there i
0: right
2: uh i'd gone to um raleigh north carolina once for a jeopardy tryout, and uh had some guy try to break into the room and uh call the cops and he's like you're not from around here are you and i'm like no i'm, I'm here for jeopardy and he's like you picked a not good place place to stay he said um, last week we took a body out of that room down there. This room over here. There was a murder there had somebody OD in the room up there. Yeah. It's like, Holy shit. You know, but East Coast
0: Cecil. You,
2: you don't know what's been in there. Yeah. So now when I travel, I'll take sage and crystals and salt and things like that with me. I go in. First thing I do is open up the door, lock it open and say, okay, whatever's in here, out. I'm here now. You're not welcome. You got to go.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised. I the corners
2: burn the sage and, uh, so far, that's worked.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised I never wound up dead with all the shitty hotels I stay in when I travel across the country and shit. Yeah. It's like Motel 6 the whole way, <laughs> like <laughs> the $20 rooms and stuff.
2: Yeah, that's kind of the way this place was, but there where I'd, I'd gotten off the interstate, I could have stayed at uh, the place where the Jeopardy trials were, but it was like a Hilton or something, you know, and it was expensive, and I thought, well, this place right here off the interstate. It's a quarter of the price. Well, there was a reason for that. It was like in the bad part of town. I have no idea.
1: Wow. That's what? where I always wind up. Did I just <laughs> That's sleep in my bad, car? Man. That's just as bad, though.
0: <laughs> yeah. I like, I don't know, whenever I travel, I always just like sleep in the car. But I have my dogs and like a gun, so I'm not as yeah. anxious. But one time, like, I've never been familiar with St. Louis. <clears> and so I was driving from Colorado to Pennsylvania when I lived in Colorado, and it was like I stayed in the wrong side of St. Louis. Mm -hmm. and I was just I was fucking tired I was like shit I gotta pull over I got to stop so I stopped at like a truck stop like I want to say it was the east side of town I can't remember but I like I just pulled off and I found like a little like there was a you know street light over me and and parked and you know I crawled in the back with my dogs because I had an SUV and like the seats folded down and whatnot and I had it all set up for them to lay down back there so I go make myself all comfy and snuggle up with the dogs and uh, Luna puts herself on alert duty. She's a pit bull, so she likes to she likes to do guard dog stuff. And um, I swear, I only slept like 20 minutes and some fucking car pulls up right next to mine. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's no cars around me. This car parks right next to mine and some dude is sitting there like and I wake up because she is ferociously barking and then she, this dude's like staring into my car from his car, just staring. And I'm just like, this, no, nope, I'm going the, home on 20 minutes. Flash one yeah. of these, flash my Glock at him, be like, hey, you want to glock, glock? No, yeah, like,
2: mm. yeah. chamber around. There. <laughs> yeah, I was traveling
0: yeah. down.
1: My brother lived in Carlsbad when I was out in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And one Christmas, or the holiday block leave, or whatever the hell it was. I'm like, hey, bro, I'll come down and get you for Christmas because, you know, we're out here away from everyone else. So I drove 16 hours round trip, Carlsbad and back. But on the way down, I left at like midnight. Mm-hmm. And I was somewhere on the border of Colorado and New Mexico at the stop to take a piss. It's like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever it may be. And I went inside, I took a piss, and this dude came in like in a huge trench coat, like the size of The Undertaker. I'm like... I'm going to die with my pants around my waist. Like, I'm like, I'm fucked. I'm like, please don't kill me, sir. Like, There's some crazy shit out there. And then he was staying down in the ghetto and Carl's bad. And I don't know if you've been down there. That's freaking wild down there. It was me and him and Ricky and we're all partying outside. And like the gangsters are yelling at us for a little bit. And then they went away, but, it was wild, I heard some man.
0: Weird stories about New Mexico. We
1: started like pissing on the trail. sidewalks and stuff, like, we're like we don't give a fuck, <laughs> like we're gonna end up dead tonight, man. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it was cool down there. They have supermarkets, like, and they only speak Spanish down there, and everything's in Spanish and some cheap stuff. And we'd have deep fry night where you deep fry everything you buy, and some good times. <laughs> deep fry night sounds like fun.
0: <laughs> oh, the heartburn, I, I can like, feel oh. it now. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, it was bad, man. But yeah, uh, back into your book, Steve, uh, yeah. last time you were on back in April, we talked a little bit about Spearfinger, mm-hmm. and I was, you know, I was highly interested when I came across that part of the book. Do you want to talk about the legend of Spearfinger?
2: Yeah. She's a, an Indian spirit, a witch, if you will, that they can also shape shift and it's, uh, there's probably versions of it in in other tribal areas, but the one that I know Spears finger, is fierce fingers from the the cherokee and uh, she usually appears as a, a kindly old lady that's lost her way and uh, she likes to appear to kids and people like that and uh, she needs help getting back she's lost or she needs help carrying something or any one of a number of uh, stories there but in place of her index finger, she has a long Piece of uh, obsidian that's been
1: mm.
2: napped like flint, but into a spear point, spear fingers, where the, the name comes from, and she uses that to uh, cut into you and take your liver, which she eats. And yeah. there's there's a little poet poem in Cherokee that, that goes along with that. I've got it in the book there, and it's it has the way it translates to liver I eat it, or something like that. But it's creepy. <laughs> you imagine hearing that in the dark when you were a kid, and that's. I think it's just one of those cautionary tales that uh, older people tell their kids to get them to, to shut up and, and go to bed at night. But, yeah, she, she wanders around in the woods to see whose liver she can steal. And uh, she can take on the form of anybody. So that's like uh, if anybody's gone from your camp or your village for too long, when they come back, if they don't seem just right, they could be Spearfinger because she's killed them and has taken over their look. And the only way to identify her is uh, looking at the palm of her hand, because that's where her heart is, and you'll you'll be able to see it beating in her hand. And uh, that's where the supposedly the tradition of uh, when, uh, like you watch the old westerns, when the the Native Americans meet each other, they they hold up their hand and say "how." That, that's what they're doing. They're showing their open palm to show that, you know, number one that they're not armed, and number two that they're not a demon or whatever that they're. Uh, are who you believe they are and uh, that one yeah i made a video about that and it just it accidentally blew up i didn't know it but uh like the night before i released that video was the season premiere of mountain monsters and they just happened Mm -hmm. to be looking for spearfinger oh
1: really
2: i didn't know anything about it it was pure synchronicity i never even seen that show and so the next day people are looking for spearfinger and all of a sudden this video's got like, you know, thousands of hits. I'm like, what's going on? Because I was just a really small channel mm-hmm. on 13 Past Midnight at that time. But it's, it's, it's a creepy legend. And it's, you know, the fact that it can, she can shapeshift and, and take on the form of anything or whatever. That's, you know, this shows you don't know who you trust and, and don't wander too far from the, the, the campfire if you're out in the woods at night.
0: I think it's creepy. It's like, especially unsettling because of how scientific it is. You know, like, it's not like they're saying, oh, well, she you know, eat your hands or, like, your feet or something. Like, that's your liver. Like, that's a very nutrient. Very specific, yeah. don't care about anything
1: else. That liver and in fact, like...
2: her, her lips and her teeth are permanently blood stained from eating liver.
0: Oh, Like, I feel like that could have been an actual thing. Like, that's like, oh, that's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. And mm, that's gonna...
1: Yeah, it's me, interesting how deep-rooted it is within Native American culture from the you know, greet each other mm-hmm. by holding up their hand. It's very yeah. interesting. There's yeah. a lot of uh, like a Wendigo type vibe too, or Wendigo like a yeah. skinwalker and
2: yeah, yeah. And the Cherokee, they pretty have much have all that. You've got it may be called something different, but they've got all kinds of different beasts and creatures. They've got their version of Sasquatch. Uh, they've got their version of the little people or the fae, the, like yeah. like gnomes and elves and things that mm-hmm. uh. And th- their stories even say that, uh, like the the tall, hairy giants, and the, the little people, are different races of people, and they were already there when the Cherokee came into the the lower valley. There, And that's you know, tens of thousands of years ago at least. But they supposedly were already there, and at one time they were, they were at war with what they describe as Bigfoot and and the Fey. But then they uh, made a peace and just decided to. Uh, Stay away from each other. Apparently,
1: yeah, it's interesting. it's interesting with all these different you know groups of people having very similar stories. It's hard not to believe stuff like this.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh, we've done a lot on uh, the missing and the fay. Jim has been writing those for us, and that's just about any of this stuff—the paranormal, the missing people, and all that—it fits into some aspect of the fay. And she's been digging out stuff from like the 15, 16, 1700s in Europe and where the the Celtics, it was almost a religion for them. They had almost like a fairy religion that they believed in so strongly. But a lot of the, the, the tropes and the psychopomps and things that occur, uh, it's all within the, the framework of the Fae. Bigfoot is a type of Fae. Uh, there's all kinds of different fairies and different levels of things. Uh, the UFOs go along with that and uh, some of the uh, the elemental creatures plus uh, the naiads, dryads, some of those, uh, the the forest nymphs and stuff like that. It's all falls under that same framework, and I think that's probably going to be.
0: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we
1: are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino,
1: with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, by law. 18 plus terms conditions apply. See website
2: for details. The key to a lot of it, and there are some people that are very, very firm believers in the fae, and, uh, and that's something that you have in just about every country and culture has those stories. Yeah. Uh, when I traveled in Southeast Asia, there was a lot of stories over there of, of little beings. And uh, somewhere, I think it's in Norway or somewhere like that, they will build a road around rock outcroppings because they don't want to disturb the trolls that live in there. It's bad luck and uh, can, mm-hmm. can bring all kinds of bad things about. So I think yeah, on a lot of that yeah. we've just kind of lost touch with things that, that people believed in that, that may actually be real. And now, you know, we're too, we're too smart and too scientific to believe in the folk ways. But I think there's, there's truth in there.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's so... it was somewhere. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, it was like a, a place in Scandinavia. I don't remember which country it was, but they were, yeah, they were trying to, uh, they were trying to build a road through this, like, rock. And they kept trying to, like, cut it and cut through it and all this stuff. And all their shit kept breaking, like, over and over and over and over and over again. So they gave up and they built like, a little shanty road around it. And then, like, you know, several decades later, new town government leadership, whatever came in. And they were like, fuck it. We're going to get through this rock because we got more technology. And then their shit kept breaking. And then they were just like, yeah, like the locals were like, yeah, it's these, like, it's uh, like an elf, elven type of, you know, race that owned it and lived there and all that stuff. And they were just like, yeah, don't fucking, don't, don't, it's not worth it. Do not. Yeah,
2: so, Something about the rocks, you know, that plays heavily in like the missing 411 type stuff too. People are found in Boulder fields. Uh-huh. And around berry patches, or they were picking berries when they went missing. Well, that's not only is that the face food, that's also within those um, patches. That's where they they hold their, their revelries and, and also their mating. So you're not just stealing their food. You're interrupting their lives Believe yep. in, in, in it that way. And um, the thing about the boulder fields, there's a, a story that the Algonquin tribe has there in uh, New England Um And there's a lot of disappearances in uh, what's become known as the Bennington Triangle there in Vermont. But the Algonquin have a story about uh, a creature that that looks like a rock, but it's capable of opening up people and swallowing them. It'll crush them to death and then spit them back out. Well, there's been bodies found in boulder fields that look like they've been dropped from a considerable height when there's no height for them to have dropped from. But if you That's think about right. that, if, if the rock opened up and crushed them and then spit them back out, they might look like they had fallen from a distance. Mm-hmm. So some of those creepy Indian legends, you know, just, I think that they're maybe onto something there.
0: Yeah. yeah they, I they, I mean, they, they know something. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I have a question. Uh, mm-hmm. so I actually messaged Gemma about this and she gave me a really long, like, well thought out response, but I have, you know, I'd love to ask you too. Um, so, since the new Conjuring movie came out, I haven't watched it yet, but um, I saw it on, I think it TikTok, but it was, I get a lot of the witchcraft kind of uh, TikTok stream. Mm-hmm. And this girl <laughs> was talking about, you know, like, be careful and protect yourself, like, before you watch this movie, if you want to risk watching this movie, because there's, like, something, there is something attached to it. Um, and it got me into thinking, like, just about movies like horror movies specifically about hauntings and possessions um about the movies themselves having something attached to them and uh like i'll think about like there's been a couple of horror movies that just like hold on to me in my head like especially the one conjuring where like the nun first made its appearance like Mm -hmm. i watched it years ago and i still like that's that's like the scary monster in my head that Mm -hmm. like I'll be afraid to see in the dark. And um, I was wondering what you think about that. Like, do you think um, horror movies have things attached to them potentially, or is it more of a psychological effect?
2: I I think it it can have something uh, physical but in the spiritual plane attached to it. I I believe in that. Again, it it could be kind of like a telpa or a psychopomp that just thinking about it can create it and then draw it to you or I believe there are energies that can be attached to things. Now, a lot of it, particularly with witchcraft and things like that, has to deal with intent. Uh, If you're making a movie with that intent for it to attach itself to people or disturb people, I think that's a possibility that there's a lot of powers and and energies and spirits and things that I don't think we fully understand. And, uh, I mean, there have been cases of... uh, people that, that conjured demons and were able to control them and do things with them. And usually it goes awry. Um, I knew some people back in East Tennessee, some girls that were in uh, middle school, they were going to conjure a demon to uh, send to a girl they didn't like, that they didn't want to sit with them at lunch anymore. They ended, ended, ended up conjuring 13 Holy and uh, unleashed literally hell on earth. And every single one that participated in that, something bad happened. One's father died. One got in a car crash. The other's house burned down. Something. Bad happened to every single one of them within just a short amount of time. Now you could write that off as coincidence, but you could also write it off for messing with something that you're not supposed to. And if you look back at the the Satanic Panic in the, the '80s and stuff, and the, the backwards mm-hmm. masking on music in the '70s, that was kind of the same thing. According to uh, yep. John Todd and some of these guys that were you know doing the tell all um, at, at the record companies, they had like a, a chamber called it the Oaken Doors, where when they had uh, the final pressing of a record, the um, the metal pressing that the acetates would be, uh, or the vinyl would be pressed from, they would take that into these chambers and have witches cast a spell over it.
0: No and sure. so that
2: then you made records from that with using the vinyl. And then every time that record played, that's whatever was attached to it was released. And he said, that's why sometimes you inexplicably get a song stuck in your head or you want to hear something over and over and over. It's whatever's attached to it, that trying to crazy. manifest itself. Now we're getting out here into some wild territory, but you know there are things like that. If you look in the, the matrix section of a lot of vinyl albums, and that's where the the runout grove out to the label. There's a blank spot there. A lot of times there will be things carved into that. Um, normally it's just you know uh, certain numbers <laughs> and things that have to do with uh, the record company, the pressing plant, or things like that. But sometimes there's messages there. Um, and uh, I think it's Led Zeppelin 3 in uh, The Matrix area there. And obviously, I think Jimmy Page did it. It's, uh, it's got So Mode It Be, which uh-huh. is uh, Aleister Crowley singing that, I think, on the other side, the obverse of the album. There's some other Crowley something sketched into there. And um, there's a guy in New Zealand, maybe Australia, who's written a book called The Led Zeppelin Curse. Yep. And he talks about all the black magic and stuff that they were into. And if you watch the the movie, uh, concert film uh, Led Zeppelin Live at Madison Square Garden. Uh, he said, watch Jimmy Page and, and what he's actually doing. And uh, I watched it in that context, and I never noticed it before, but it's the, the part where he's playing his guitar with a, a violin bow. Mm-hmm. He's actually, he's calling out the four corners. He's doing some sort of uh, ritual, some sort of Crowley-esque oh, sure. type ritual there. He's calling the four corners. He's using that Uh, Violimbo is a magician's wand And then he's making all these weird noises And you know, you've got all these thousands of people And all their energy is focused on him And he's doing this and releasing No telling what So, kind of frightening to think about Stuff that you don't even consider Particularly evil And then if you look at it within their context And their intent Like, what the hell is he doing? (laughs) Yeah,
1: I actually have that record Sitting downstairs in my closet Yeah Uh, I, me I, think I, it's,
2: I, <laughs> I think it's three, but look in yeah. the the runout group. Now, sometimes there'll be funny stuff in there. Um, uh, I used to have a Clash album that said uh, it was a two album set, and side A was in space. The flip side, no one. The second album side A can hear, and then you Clash in space. No one can hear you Clash, but it was sometimes there'll be funny little messages in there.
1: Yeah, I thought about spinning them backwards, and I haven't got that far, so. You know, I only got a record player. I,
2: I did oh, that like, back in the day, take a belt drive turntable and put a twist in the belt, you know, and, and make it uh, play backwards. And it's, I don't know. It's one of those things to me, sometimes it's, it sounds clear, but other times it's like, like looking at the clouds, you know, you can see a lot of different things up there that, that may or may not be there because your brain will try to, to fill in gaps, but that's, that's a pretty long one on uh stairway to heaven. If you've ever listened to that one and it, Parts of it does sound like what you're supposed to hear, but in other yeah. parts, it's very uh, liberal interpretation of it, I think. But there there are some scary ones out there. And there are some intentional ones, but they're usually done for a, just a, a laugh or whatever. On there's a I can't remember which album one of the B52s albums. Uh, you spin it backwards, and you can hear Fred Schneider say, "I buried my parakeet in the backyard." <laughs> just you know, yeah, having was- having fun with it.
1: I remember listening to a podcast. They had a guy on there who, I don't know, he discovered you know, the backwards playing music, whatever, and he talked about a lot of the Beatles albums have some crazy stuff in them. Yeah. Like about John Lennon and stuff like that.
2: And uh, supposedly Lennon was a follower of Crowley, and you know, his, his figure's on the Sgt. Pepper cover. And that was one of the things that yep. he, uh, when he had the, uh, the, the OTO there that he instructed people to do was to write backwards, walk backwards, listen to music backwards. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know what purpose that would serve, but that is something Crowley instructed his followers to do. So it's
1: the Illuminati man.
2: Yeah. And then, uh, I've heard some interesting theories about Crowley and, uh, the modern UFO flap. Um, there's a guy named Jack Parsons. If you've ever heard of him, uh, he was uh, like a rocket scientist. He formed uh, what became the Jet Propulsion Laboratory for NASA, but he was also a black magician. He was a, a follower of Crowley and actually did some things with Crowley and uh, also L. Ron Hubbard, Hubbard, uh, founder of uh, Scientology. Well, uh, at the time, Parsons was car- just corresponding with Crowley, and he was trying to do the Babylon working out in the desert. I believe it was in New Mexico. And almost a year to the date that he initiated that. And according to people that looked into things, he didn't finish it and didn't close things the way he was supposed to. About a year after that was when you first started getting the uh, what I consider the modern UFO flap. And there's people that have conjectured that he created some kind of opening, some kind of portal that's wow. allowed things to come through that don't know how to put back or if they can be put back. But uh, he he blew himself up in his garage in Pasadena, in California. Uh not sure if it was a magical working. He also did special effects for the films and stuff with gunpowder, but uh filmed Mercury, I think, and uh, moved it around a little too much and it exploded. Yeah. Took him in his garage out. So
1: Wow.
0: Wow.
2: But uh, there's That's really good books about Parsons. One of them is called Sex and Rockets. And um, I think they made uh Showtime or somebody had a series that was based on the book, but the books of course are so much better. But he, he was some character. Well,
1: wow, that's that's crazy. Um yeah, I guess to jump back into Tennessee. You grew up there and you know one of the most known missing persons cases from Tennessee is Dennis Martin. Yeah. I just wanted right. to ask if you had any personal connection with him, or if you knew him at all?
2: Um, I, I didn't know him, but there there is a personal connection for me. And the uh, anniversary of that just passed a few days ago. It's I think June fifteenth was the day that it happened. And oddly enough, Jen, Dennis's birthday is June the twentieth, so we're coming up on his birthday. But um, yeah, I was living in Knoxville when that happened. I was a few months, not quite a year, younger than Dennis. I think I was about ten months younger than Dennis he was almost seven and i was uh going on six would have been six mm-hmm. on my next birthday but uh that was the one that just it really stuck with me And it was the first time as a child that i, I got my head around the fact that you know there are bad things that happen to children there are children that disappear that are never found there are people out there that want to hurt kids and take them away from their families and stuff so it was kind of a a cautionary tale for me but it just it stuck with me i remember seeing it on the news uh, the local stations there in Knoxville and, uh, it was in the papers and I had two big scrapbooks where I'd every day I'd get the newspapers. So at that time, Knoxville had two papers, I had the morning paper, which was the Knoxville journal and the evening paper was the Knoxville news sentinel. And I bought those every day and we, we had them anyway, but, uh, I would get them and, and anything about Dennis, I would clip out and put in these books. And one of those where you just, you know, well, today's the day they'll find him. And, you know, it never came. That's it been 52 years ago, I think, now. 50 something, 1969. I can't do math in my head. But, so what um, do you, what do you think? Even in to my little childlike mind, I was thinking, well, you know, we're not that far from the Smokies. about an hour or so. Maybe he wandered down this way. And I actually got out in the country there where we lived and rode my swim stingray up and down the road and looked in the bushes, you know, because I was, yeah. didn't know any better. You know, you're five, almost six. You think that's perfect sense. But it just yep. it stuck with me, and uh, since you know, as an adult, I've been up there to, to that part of Cave's Cove. I've been up to Spence Field, I've hiked all over. And I've been right there where he disappeared from, and it's just it's a it's an eerie feeling being up there, knowing what happened, and and I you know, don't exactly know which bush or clump of brush or whatever that he stepped behind, but been all over the place, and it's just it's like he's still there in a way. You can feel something yeah. there. Um and yeah, I just, uh, I used to see his dad around town. He worked for an architectural firm there in Knoxville. And years later, when I was in high school, we went there a couple different times. I took uh, drafting in the vocational school. It's a lost art now. Everything's done by mm-hmm. computer. But um oh, yeah. we would go there and I'd, I'd see him at his desk and stuff. I didn't didn't say anything about Dennis to him, but he had a picture of Dennis on his desk. It's so and, sad. Uh, And uh, oddly enough, uh, Trini Gibson, that disappeared then in 76, I think, she and uh, Dennis lived in the same Bearden neighborhood in Knoxville. So I thought that was kind of odd, just a weird little synchronicity there. But, um, yeah, just – and every year, you know, around this time, the anniversary of Dennis's disappearance, they would would put something on the local news. You know, they'd dig it back up. And just the saddest thing, I remember one year I watched, and they had his dad on there. He died – about six years ago, I think on Halloween, yeah. my birthday, no less. And he said, You know, this, I've always thought that someday there'd be a knock at the door and I'd go there and there'd be this, this good looking man standing there and be like, Can I help you? And he'd say, It's, it's me, Dad. It's Dennis. I've come home. And, oh, man, that just talk about ripping hurts, your heart man. out. And yeah, he died with no closure, nothing, had no idea what happened to Dennis because there was basically nothing to go on. I mean, that was, that's one of the most thorough disappearances, I think. There was one footprint that they thought might have been his, but there had been uh, some other children in that area, some Boy Scouts or something, and they wore the same kind of uh, saddle oxfords, and they thought it might have been them instead. And you did have the Key family who heard a scream. That was the most blood-curdling scream Mm -hmm. they'd ever heard. And then shortly thereafter, they saw what they described as a a large, unkempt, hairy man uh, running up a hollow with something over his shoulder. And uh, they tried to connect that, but uh, according to the FBI, that it wouldn't be possible for Dennis to have gone from Spence Field down to where this area was where the, the Key family saw whatever they saw. First, they thought it was a bear and then realized it was on two legs not and running late, up a so. hill. But uh, Bob Martin, um, or Dennis's dad, I think his name was Bob, I might be able to get confused here, but anyway, he and uh. Dwight McCarter, who was—he's uh, retired now, but he was a ranger and head tracker there in the Smokies. When that happened, they actually traced that route and found that it could have gotten down there. It might have been difficult for a child, but somebody with a child, somebody
1: carrying him, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: And if you were, you know, uh, Dennis was small for his age anyway, so if you had him over your shoulder and that was downhill in that direction, you could you could make that time down there, I think. But uh, there was other stories locally. There was a story that somebody. Years after that, was in the park hunting ginseng illegally. Mm. And they found a a child's skull in the woods, and they Mm. put it in a hollow stump to come back and get it another time. They didn't want to go to jail for poaching ginseng. And then when they they finally went back to retrieve it after the guilt and remorse ate them up, it was gone. But again, nobody knows if it was Dennis or not. And uh, there's there's stories recently of uh, feral people that, that mm-hmm. live in the park that uh, maybe uh, even uh, could be Bigfoot. It could be uh, some kind of Bigfoot-human hybrid that uh, they have a taste for human flesh, apparently. There's a guy on uh, YouTube, and if you could get him on, it'd be great. I don't know the gentleman's name. He just goes by South Force 10. Okay. But uh, take a look at his videos. He's got some really scary stuff about the Smokies.
1: Definitely. And he
2: talks about he had relatives that participated In the hunts in the park when they used to, the government would hire people, local people, to go in and send out these whatever they are that that Mm -hmm. live in there. And even rangers like Dwight McCarter admits that there are people that live in remote areas of the park, but he didn't say they were, you know, hairy and bred cannibals or whatever. But I don't know. There's there's something out there. That's for
1: sure. Definitely. There is. And with the, like, the special forces involvement with the case and stuff like that, like...
2: Yeah, Green Berets don't show it's up deeper for a missing than, kid. Yeah. yeah. And then the uh, FBI field agent from Knoxville that was over the case uh, killed himself in a really spectacular fashion. They later. They always on. do. So, uh, there was a nightclub there on Kingston Pike called Caddies. I've been there several times years ago. And apparently he went in, <clears throat> uh, went out on the middle of the dance floor and... Uh, Pulled out his service revolver and blew his head off. So that's the official story. Yeah. Yeah. That's the yeah. official story. Nobody knows why, but that's the story that what happened to him.
1: I think awesome. Hillary was around yet. So, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He wasn't suicided by somebody else. He <laughs> did Three <laughs> it was, shots um, to the back of the head. head. Yeah. yeah worst man. case of suicide I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, outside of Dennis Martin, what are some other, uh, you know, lesser-known missing persons cases in the Smokies?
2: Yeah, well, they're they're all pretty well-known. I think he's the most well-known one, but there's Trini Gibson that I just mentioned. She was a teenager. She was, uh, I think she was a junior that year at Bearden High School. Mm -hmm. And uh, their biology teacher took him on a surprise trip. And that part of the story, I don't see how that even works because I went to the same. I was part of the Knox County School System, too. I went to Carnes, and we had to have all kinds of permission slips and and insurance and liability stuff signed before they'd even let us on the bus. And you knew exactly where you were going, how long you were going to be there, and when you are coming back. But according to the story, it was a surprise field trip, and the students didn't know where they were going until they were already on the bus on the way there. And then he told them that they were going up to Cleveland's Dome in the Smokies to uh, look at the the flora and fauna and stuff there. Um, She hiked up to the Clemens Dome and uh, hiked with several different people, several different groups. She did spend a lot of time with uh, a kid named Robert, and uh, it was cold that day. It was in October, and since nobody knew they were going to the mountains, uh, most of them were underdressed, ill-prepared, and she actually had borrowed Robert's jacket, and it was with her when she went missing. But uh, at some point on the way back, they were supposed to meet back at the bus at like 3 or 3.30. She had separated from the group she was with and just walked ahead. And they claimed that they saw her stop and look off the trail, like kind of squat down like she was looking at something off in the woods. Hmm. And then she stepped off the trail and uh, into history. That was the last time she was ever seen. Uh, Again, no trace of her ever. Uh, And uh, I had some connections with that one too uh her sister little sister tina was best friends with my niece and so i had you know that connection to the family i actually talked to her sister a few years ago she passed away not too long ago she basically drank herself to death but uh i talked to her several times about trini yeah and uh she said it just basically tore the family apart that uh, the mom and dad ended up getting a divorce uh they blamed Tina and would say things to her like, you know, you should have been the one that disappeared. And, you know, just cruel oh, things wow. like that. And then she had an older brother that I think he was in the Navy or something like that. And there were even people that tried to pin it on him because he'd come home to visit uh, like the week that Trini went missing. And there's mm-hmm. just a lot of weird circumstances there. But uh, there's a girl that, or a woman rather that has a YouTube site. It's called uh, Canadian Girl spelled G-U-R-L 77. And she has the most extensive research on that case of anybody I've ever seen. And she's in Canada, but she's she's been to the Smokies. She's talked with Trini's classmates and friends and uh, teachers and things. And uh, she had some things that, that she shared with me that I couldn't share. And then she had some things that she wouldn't even talk about that uh, she's been able to find out. And I think this lady, she knows what happened, even though she can't really say it out loud. Uh she's received yeah. death threats and stuff from people. And for, you know, a case that happened in seventy six, that's, yeah, that's re- a lot. cover up yeah. to go on that long. Yeah, and, and you know a lot of the principals are the story are still alive. So, um it's interesting. I mean, I have my own uh suspicions. There's there's a couple that I've narrowed it down to, but again, I can't say either way. But uh Canadian Girl seventy seven, she puts up a good uh a lot of information there she's got a freedom of information information and uh yep. a lot of things but uh her sister tina told me well, the last time i ever talked to her she said that there's there's a part of me that likes to think that that trini just wanted to get away from her parents she was going to be a senior the next year and she was unsure about life and what it held and she didn't want to, she worked as a like a waitress at a restaurant in the mall and things like that. And, yeah, you know, not a real exciting life. She was kind of a quiet girl. She wasn't very studious, so no college scholarships or anything coming. And Tina said, you know, I think she just, part of me wants to believe that she just, she met some guy and took off and she lived, living the rest of her life in sunny Southern California. But then she said, in my heart of hearts though, I don't think she left the out alive. Another one of those sad stories. Um, another one is uh, Thelma Pauline Polly Melton She went missing in 80 or 81 I, I'd have to have it for I me mean, I get the dates mixed up sometimes yeah. but That was another one uh, Her and her husband often spent time There at a campground They had a trailer, an uh, Airstream trailer Parked at a campground And they would spend so many months a year There in the Smokies And she had friends from the same campground Other ladies that uh, did the same thing With their husbands and she'd gone out hiking with these three friends. And uh, for whatever reason, she just started walking faster, walked ahead of them, uh, went around a, a turn on the trail and was never seen again. They got back to the campground. Uh, she wasn't there. Her husband hadn't seen her. You know, like, well, I thought she was with you. Well, she went, went ahead. And again, well, those things just, there was no trace. And uh, the uh, hiking and skiing club that I was part of in uh, high school, we actually participated in the, some of the search for that interesting uh, it wasn't really i guess you call it search and rescue even though we never found anything and nobody found anything and again very mysterious circumstances but that one that, out of all of them she's probably the one that seems like she might have pulled a runner to me she was married to a much older man uh he was in failing health and she probably just wasn't looking forward to spending her later years you know taking care of somebody that was bedridden and um she volunteered at the senior center there in uh, the Pittman area of Gatlinburg. And the day that before she disappeared, somebody saw her using the telephone there, which she had never done before. And um, she didn't take anything with her. though. She didn't take her keys. She didn't take her ID. She didn't take medicine that she needed. Uh, but that was the... the the local speculation is yeah. that she ran off with somebody. But, you know, again, who knows? Maybe something got her. In the, the, because that happens so many times in these disappearance cases where somebody will leave a group and literally just walk ahead a few yards until they're out of sight, and then whatever gets them, gets them in, and they're gone because not everybody runs off with, you know, a secret boyfriend or whatever. So there are legitimate cases where people have just disappeared.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of them happen just like that, like you were saying. Um, Now you have a second part of this book coming out. Before we leave tonight, do you want to talk about that for a little bit, and can you share maybe a spoiler story from that so we know what we're getting into?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, The Volume 2 is going to be California, and specifically looking at Joshua Tree, Yosemite, and Mount Shasta. Those are the three... um, I think, most influential areas are where the most activity is in California. Now, California has the most national parks in any state. Now, the Great Smoky Mountains, it has the most visited. Even last year, 2020, with everything going on, Smoky's got over 12 million. And I think uh, Yosemite got like five or six, but it's, it's uh, the big one on the West Coast. But a lot of disappearances from there. And then same with Mount Shasta. Now, technically, Mount Shasta is not a national park. It's a wilderness area, but close enough. And there's just so much weirdness that goes on on Mount Shasta that I had to include in it. And then Joshua Tree is another one like that. It's out in the desert. And uh, Bill, the, my creative partner on the channel, he got lost in uh, Joshua Tree for several days.
0: Oh my God. And uh,
2: encountered some strange entities that. Almost like Alien Grays to me, the way he described him. And he, he literally thought he was going to die. He already dug himself a hole to die in.
1: Now, did you and, tell uh, this story on your channel?
2: Yeah, it's... I think I remember it here. There's a narration of it. It's one of yeah. the... I can't remember which video. It was one of the first ones we did, but that's Bill's actual story. Okay. And it opens with the the news segment about it. But uh,
0: Wow. Well, I've been to Joshua Tree, and it is... It is so vast and just so yeah. desolate. Like, it's
2: hot. I, I love it out there. I've been there nothing. several times, too. I uh, stayed at the the inn there where you know, Graham Parsons is, the country rock guy. He was, I think he was with the Birds for a while. But he <laughs> he overdosed and died at the Joshua Tree Inn. Oh, wow. And uh, I stayed in that room one night, and a couple of girls showed up at my door with a Ouija board, one whole seance. Like, we tried to get this room, but you already had it. Can we come in on them? Come on in. This this sounds like fun. And, uh, wow. And they, they supposedly contacted his his spirit, and I don't know, but it's it's there's just something weird about Joshua Tree all over there the place. Is it's weird about Joshua. Uh, Tree. And I've had people say that it's a power spot for a lot of people. There's some kind of energy there—a vortex or a portal or something—and you can feel it. But yeah, then when, after Graham died, they were flying his body back east to his family for burial. But he had told supposedly. One of his friends that he wanted to be cremated and his ashes scattered at uh, Joshua Tree. Hmm. So wow. they borrowed an ambulance, drove out to LAX, and uh, through some kind of uh, jiggy pokery there, convinced the people that know we're, we're here to pick up this casket, took his body back to Joshua Tree and burned it uh, at the base of Cap Rock. There, and you can still see the marks on there. There's still scorch marks and burn marks. That's where they
0: wild?
2: So he got his wish, <laughs> yeah, but it's just, it's one of those places. It just has a weird feeling to it. Now there's other places like that. Uh, uh, Sedona, Arizona's like that. Uh, Taos, New Mexico, a lot of places in the Southwest, uh, Superstition Mountains in Arizona. They've got a, a really mm-hmm. eerie feel. Yeah, yeah there Joshua you go. Tree. Love those Joshua trees. Now, have you oh, ever wow. been out? It's last time I was there, it was on the ground. But have you ever been out to the part where the Joshua Tree from U2's Joshua Tree album, where that, was, where that photo was shot?
0: No, I haven't.
2: That particular Joshua Tree, it, it fell. It's still there. It's on the ground. But there's a, a plaque there that, that somebody made and put out there. Wow. Um You can find YouTube videos about it, people that have ventured out there and found it. But that, that's yeah. a neat little trip.
1: I just want to uh, travel now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah,
2: it's the same here. <laughs> as much as I'm a hermit, as much as I like staying home, I do love to get out and, and ramble around in the desert and stuff. And I lived in Las Vegas for seven years, and you know, that was great. I just go you know, over the hill, you're in California, or go up through Death Valley and go to yeah. Palm Springs. I spend a lot of time out in the desert. now. Death Valley is another place I'd love to explore, but they don't call it Death Valley for no reason. You yeah, I get the name from somewhere.
1: There. People run like an ultra-marathon through there, too. Yeah. Through Death Valley. It's amazing. 205-mile race. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Not for me. Nope.
2: Yep. Nope. heard I, of I was nervous driving through there in an air-conditioned automobile, you know, because seriously, there's places there, and depending on the time of day, if you break down, you're going to be there for a while. Mm-hmm. And Better become prepared, yeah. don't yeah. have shade and uh, several bottles of water, you're in trouble.
1: Don't take long, yeah. But, deep uh, jogging. Yeah, jogging. You Ever heard of him? He does all that crazy shit. All yeah, the tropical desert freaking races, ultra yeah. marathons.
2: Jeez. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's that's the three main places that I concentrate. Of course, Mount Shasta that's uh, in northern California. I've been there several times. A uh, little town there called Weed, California, and it's kind of apropos, I think, because you have a lot of mysticism, a lot of hippie mystics, and things up there. You have, uh, um, Lemurians, little, little which are. Uh, they were related to the Atlanteans and they're the ones that escaped and they come to Mount Shasta and they built tunnels off there and how they got from Atlantis to California. I don't have any idea, but, um, there was a a guy there. I can't think of his name right off, but back in the the twenties and the thirties, he claimed to have met, uh, the ascended spirit of, uh, St. Germain on the mountain and, uh, Mm. St. Germain gave him all his teachings, and he founded a religion based on it. And at one time, had several million followers and uh, kind of fell off, though, because he, he claimed to be an ascended master himself and was immortal. But then when he died, kind of yeah. revealed him for the fraud that he was, uh-huh. and all those well. means people went away. But they still have a reading room there. I can't remember the name of the gentleman. But anyway, it's a strange place. Uh, You've got that. Uh, If you ever heard the robot grandma story, that's supposed to happen on Mount Shasta.
1: That's a good one. The
2: the little kid that got lost and uh, thought it was a grandma, but it turned out that she was a robot and took him into a cave where there was uh, dirty, uh, rusty weapons and backpacks and things with cobwebs on them. And, you know, that kind of makes you wonder about all the people that have disappeared there. Was, Was that their stuff that was in that cave? And uh, she tried to get him to poop on a piece of paper, and he wouldn't do it. So she's like, well, you're not cooperating, so I'm going to take you back. And she took him back put him on the trail. And sure enough, they they found him a few hours later That's to crazy. sit there in places just that like, they'd already searched.
1: Yeah, just like all the people pooped on that paper.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. And uh, there's supposedly a lot of UFO activity there. There's tunnels inside the mountain. Uh, there's supposedly a, a city inside the mountain made of gold. There's all kinds of stories there. Wow. But uh, it's a fun place. I mean, uh, one of the wildest uh, Bigfoot sightings I've ever heard of came from Mount know, Shasta. A lady claimed uh, on the slope she saw a female Bigfoot breastfeeding a baby Bigfoot under a tree. What? That's
0: no! It. It.
2: What? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the wildest Bigfoot sighting I've ever heard. Of. I've never heard of anything like that's that.
0: wild. But
2: that's what she claimed she saw.
0: That's so. wild. That's absolutely
1: loud. Like, that'd be hard to even explain that to anyone.
0: like, <laughs> like you know what? I got to tell you what I saw. You're not going to believe it. Uh, oh, my God.
2: You, you big wonder big about big stuff foot foot like easy. that. Like these guys on TV that do like the Bigfoot mating calls and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My worry would be, what if it worked? What if you all of a sudden the Bigfoot comes charging out of the woods ready to go? I, yeah, what would I you do run you take one for the team I don't know
1: <laughs> That's how you get uh, so <laughs> you get the Bigfoot breastfeeding a baby <laughs> Oh, oh man. my god All right well we got to wrap it up for tonight so you know I think I appreciate this very much Steve and thank oh, you so my much pleasure. for coming on here and, yeah, I'm, and I'm
0: so telling. so happy to like see you
2: Oh, thank it's you. It's awesome, ain't it?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not in so very
2: good light here. I've just got one little pole lamp on. I didn't know ahead of time that we were doing video. Or I would have turned all oh, my studio lights on and stuff. But
1: oh, you're good. So yeah, I, I got, I got my new green screen up and my 30 lamps around me right now, trying to get enough light in here. But yeah, yeah I wanted to say I'm looking forward to seeing you guys hit 100K on Missing Person Mysteries. Yeah, it's we're getting you're close. We're almost really to 90K. Close.
2: We were like at eighty nine six or something today. So uh, yep. we did over ten thousand new subs last month, so if we keep that up we should hit it by sometime in July, I think.
1: I wanna say when time I time. when I started watching you guys were at like sixty K so I've watched yeah you know thirty thousand subscribers yeah, joined. So it's it's pretty- amazing.
2: I just uh when Bill first brought me on as a partner, I think we were around ten thousand or something. That seemed like a lot. Then it's like wow, ten thousand subscribers, you know but,
1: yeah, we're just now trying we're to get to a thousand right now, baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> we'll
2: get yeah, Just stick oh, with yeah. it; you'll get there. Yeah, it just oh, yeah. It takes time and patience.
1: We're motivated. Uh, we've
2: been doing that about. I think started channel about two years ago. So yep. it it takes some time.
1: Yep, and if you're listening to this podcast, be sure to jump over the Missing Person Mysteries and subscribe if you haven't already. Oh, Help my out gosh, that channel, absolutely. Uh. Do you got any last words for this episode, Steve?
2: Uh, no, just I, I appreciate you guys having me. on. love what you're doing here. And you've got some just amazing shows, and it's it's always a pleasure to listen to you, and even more a pleasure and an honor to be on here with you. Well, thank and you. Look, look forward to more uh, collaborations in the future. Yeah, yes. definitely. We we'll appreciate be calling you so much. Uh, <laughs> thanks.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Creepy Unsolved. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more like it, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening from. This will help our podcast grow. Also, be sure to subscribe, follow, and share the podcast. If you have an interesting story or would like to be a guest on a future episode of Creepy Unsolved, please reach out to us through Instagram or Facebook at Creepy Unsolved or send us an email at creepyunsolvedmedia at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you soon.